The title of the message today is this, Take the Plunge. Come on, tell them, Take the Plunge. Splish, splash, we was taking a bath. Take the plunge. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 5 and verse 6. This is what the Word of God says. It says, There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. We want to talk a little bit today about taking the plunge and this idea that we as believers, we acknowledge that there is one baptism for the forgiveness or the remission or, or the removal of our sins. One public statement of faith. Have you ever tried to put together uh, maybe a piece of furniture, some equipment, and the instructions that came with them were really, really complicated? Uh, for Mother's Day, we, uh, my children and I, we bought my wife an outdoor kind of porch swing. It's kind of an all-inclusive swing, got a little covering, so we could sit outside and enjoy some time together. And of course, the swing came unassembled uh, with lots of pieces and lots of instructions. And uh, so we decided that we would put it, uh, put this swing together all together. And I'm here to tell you that God is good. Miracles still happen. My wife did not kill me. And uh, we both stayed sane and in love through the process. But my wife is a pretty organized person. And even though the instructions were really complicated and we had to like get all the way done only to realize we did a few things incorrectly and we had to go back and do them all again. And oh, God's good. It's fun. I tell you, being married, it's a joy. Such, uh, nothing will test your love uh, like putting together a porch swing, apparently, all, all together. But my wife is pretty organized. We had spread out all of the pieces, went through to make sure they were all there. And uh, she took a, a thing of sidewalk chalk and wrote the part numbers on a uh, cloth, uh, like a, a drop cloth for painting, and drew a big circle with the uh, I, uh, item numbers, and all of those parts went in that circle, so my kids could go and find the right part and bring them to us, and we, we had a, a nice process all together, but how many of you know that sometimes instructions like that are super complicated? Now, real quick, I'll skate out. I, I want to get to know you a little bit, and want to, th th this is unique. When you go to church online, you can talk to your neighbor all you want, and it doesn't bother me, actually. Like, it's not distracting. It's perfectly permissible. So here's what I want. I want to ask you a question. Give me a thumbs up if you're one of the people that, like, you follow the instructions. Yes, like, you're putting something together. It's like, yes, instructions are key. How many of you, you like to live on the wild side and take your life into your own hands, and you don't follow instructions? You're like, yeah, that's a good place to put my coffee cup right there. Like, that's all that I need. Like, some of you are like, I'm kind of in the middle. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Let, let us know the kind of person that you are. Here's, here's the reality is this, that sometimes we can take really, really simple things and make them too complex, can't we? I think the goal in our life, and I use this phrase a lot actually with our staff and our team and we're planning and problem solving. I say this, I say, let's simplify the problem. Let's not complicate the solution. Let's really identify what the issue is and find a simple, clear, concise single answer to help us move forward because we all know that the more options you have or the more ways you could do something, it gets kind of complicated. 
I think when it comes to faith in Jesus and following God, and even in the Bible itself, this is a big book, and, and, and there's a lot of great information in Scripture. But I think well-intended Christians over the years, we've taken something that kind of is a little simple, and we've made it a little more complicated than needed. It's a little more complex than what is necessary. But the Bible, it's a huge book, and it is full of truth. It is full of doctrine, practicality that is geared to help us live skilled lives full of faith. You know, in this collection that we've been calling Roots, this is what we've been trying to do. We've been attempting to examine what are the irreducible minimums. What is it that we believe in the simplest, most memorable form? What, what is it that when you bring it down into a concentrated formula or to a concentrated state, what is it that packs the most power? We're, we're looking at what are the, the, the core components of our faith that allows our roots to not just grow strong, but to be simple and strong. Sometimes the, the more simple a thing is, the more strength it can have and is required. And so when we look at the phrase today, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, I believe it's reiterating what Ephesians 4 is saying. That Listen, there's, there's one Lord, one God, one faith, there's one baptism, and we believe in that. In other words, there is only one thing that is a public demonstration that is a requirement or, or something that God has commanded us to do in order to identify and acknowledge our faith. There is only one external act that Jesus says, this is what I want you to do to demonstrate that you are a follower of me, that you are one of my disciples. And, and it really comes down to this idea of repenting and acknowledging that we are sinners, we've messed up, that we can't do this on our own, and we want to put our faith in Jesus. And, and water baptism is that public act where, where we go into the water and come back up. There is something important. There's only one thing, because even in the early church, they were trying to complicate this. They were saying you need to be baptized, but then you also need to be circumcised. Uh, and then if you, once you get circumcised, then you also need to eat certain meats and foods or avoid certain meats and foods. And, 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 and what is happening is they're coming back to what Jesus taught us. Jesus really only gave us two things, and water baptism is one of those things. It's the only external thing that we need to do in demonstration of, of our faith. It's, it's not about dressing a certain way. It's not about avoiding tobacco products. It's not about removing your tattoos, not having body piercings, how you dress on a Sunday morning. It's not about the food that you eat or don't eat. You can eat bacon if you want to. It's not about the external things. It's about a simple faith and trust in Jesus, who is the only one that removes our sins. There's nothing you can do externally to remove the sins of your life. It's only faith in Jesus. You don't need another priest. You don't need a go-between. You need one person, the Savior of the world, and his name is Jesus. Listen, all of the other external things that we do as followers of Jesus, it's not to earn God's love. See, we do these external things not to earn his forgiveness. We do these other external things in our lives, and we live holy lives, and we, we do pay attention to those things, not to earn the love of God, 
but because we want to honor the love and the forgiveness that God has already given to us. It's not about earning. It's about honoring. We want to honor what God has done for us. If you want to know a definition of water baptism or baptism, here, let me give you a simple one. We really believe that baptism is an outward demonstration of an inward submission. It's an outward public statement of your faith, recognizing that inwardly and in your heart, you are submitted to following Jesus, that he is Lord, the rule maker, the shot caller in your life. That's what we believe. You know, there were only two sacraments that Jesus told us to do as his followers. Only two sacraments, or, or you could say sacred symbols of our faith. And these two sacraments that Jesus gave us are water baptism and communion. Water baptism and communion. It wasn't until a, a thousand years after Jesus left the earth that there was a man by the name of Peter Lombardo who wrote a book, and he began to categorize and identify seven other sacraments that the Roman Catholic Church and many other religious organizations have identified as these are the sacraments of the church. But you know what? To be really simple, to be really clear, and to not make it more complicated than necessary, honestly, Jesus only gave us two, baptism and communion. As it relates to our only two sacred symbols, only two important public symbolic things that we do as it relates to our faith. Water baptism. And in water baptism, we are declaring that Christ, or that we are in Christ. When we get water baptized, we are declaring that we are in Christ. And in communion, we are declaring that Christ is in us. As we drink the juice and we eat the bread, we are bringing and identifying and stating that we believe that Christ lives in us. What two powerful statements that we can make to the world around us. What amazing thing to be able to say that, number one, we declare that Christ is in, or that we are in Christ. And in communion, we declare that Christ is in us. You know, even though there's only one baptism that really acknowledges and publicly states our forgiveness of our sins, the Bible actually uses the word baptism to describe and to articulate three different experiences in our spiritual walk. Three different experiences, and the Bible uses the same word baptism, or in the Greek, baptizo, to talk about this. And that word baptizo in the, in the Greek really means this, to immerse or to dip completely. It's a saturation. It's a, it's a dip. That's why water baptism, we believe, is done by immersion, where you go into the water and you come up out of the water. See, when we get into the water, we are really making a public statement to the world that we are sinful and we are crucifying our sinful ways like Christ, and we are burying that sucker in the ground. That old way of living, that old sinful, nasty self, like you burying that sucker. You saying goodbye, and it's almost as if baptism is like this burial service, right? Where we're like, see you later. Old man gets put under the water, and we come up new in Christ. We come up dripping and drenched in the life of of Jesus, in the forgiveness of Jesus. And, and I know a lot of people who are like, I, I, don't, I don't know that I can get water baptized. I, I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm such a bad person. 
That's actually kind of the point, friends. That when we go to get in the water and we get water baptized, we are literally denying our pride and we are publicly confessing that we are sinful and we can't do anything about it on our own. So we need to get into the power and the life of Christ and come back up in a new life. It is the gospel that sets us free and we are willing to declare, willing to walk this walk of humility to say, it doesn't matter who's watching, it doesn't matter what they think about me, we are identified saying, I am a sinner, and now I am saved by God, and I'm becoming a son of God. I'm going down a sinner, but I'm coming up a son. And that's what we're celebrating, and we're believing. And, and it is a very public element that requires us to say no to our pride, because pride will always keep you from living the life God has called you to. Pride is the one thing that keeps you away from the grace of God, from the favor of God that comes into your life that you don't deserve. You can't earn it, and you can't add to it. It's only a gift by God. And that's why baptism is so important. It's that dipping, that immersion in, that complete settling into and coming up out of, this baptizo. But again, I, I said it just a minute ago that the Bible uses the word baptism to describe three different experiences. While only one of them is the public one that we're acknowledging in the creed as for the forgiveness of sin, there is only one of the three that is the public statement identifying that we have been forgiven. But there are still three baptisms that the Bible talks about. Let's look at them really briefly and see what Scripture has to say. This is, this is scripture. The, the first baptism that the Bible talks about is what we would call believer's baptism. It's when you are baptized or brought into the family of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. It says, For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, Kansans or Oklahomans, Okies or Carolinians, right? Whether you are white or black, Asian or Hispanic, whether you've grown up in church or you've grown up a heathen, wherever you land on the spectrum, we all become one body, one family, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. In other words, we were all baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body and family of God. Galatians 3 says that you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, it's your faith in Jesus and willing to say inwardly, I am believing and submitting to Jesus as my Lord, that I become a believer. I become a part of the family of God. There is nothing like being a member of the family of God. And when we say yes to Jesus, we experience this believer's baptism where we become a believer because we've chosen to believe. John chapter 3, look at Jesus' own words when he was talking about this believer's baptism experience. John 3, starting in verse 8, and then we'll skip to verse 14 and 15. It says this, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it is going. Isn't that the truth about the wind? But it's also the truth about somebody who chooses to believe. Your believer is on the inside of you. I can't see with my physical eyes your belief system. Oh, I can see maybe the fruit of it. But at the end of the day, when you make a decision inside your heart and inside your spirit to believe, nothing outwardly changes. It's like the wind. 
You can't really visibly see it, but there's something that shifts. There's a fresh air that comes into your life when you say and submit your life to Jesus. He goes on to say this. Jesus says, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. What's Jesus saying? He's saying the wind's blowing, and when people make a choice to believe, there's this wind that blows into their heart that is a work of the Spirit of God that is miraculous that you really can't see in the moment. Just like you can't see the wind, but there's an effect, there's a change, there's a difference. And it happens because you believe in the Son of Man who died on a cross. He's talking about Moses and in the Old Testament, what the children of Israel were walking across the desert trying to get to the promised land. And, and there was a, a, a plague, there was this thing where the Israelites all got sick. They became infirmed in their bodies. And God told Moses to take this snake, kill it, and tie it around a pole almost like a cross wrapped around, which ironically, or maybe not so ironically, is actually a symbol that they use in the medical field to this day, a snake wrapped around this, this pole. It's a symbol of health and wholeness. And what would happen is all of the children of Israel who looked up to that snake on the pole, right there, anyone who looked up at that, they would immediately be healed. And Jesus is correlating, and he's saying, any of you who choose to look at the Son of Man who's going to die on a cross, who's going to be beaten and hung there, I'm going to pay for the sins of the world. And any of you who look to the cross and choose to believe, they're going to become a part of the family of God. They will be born again, or born of the Spirit. Here's what I want you to know, that it is the Holy Spirit who is drawing you, who is convicting you, who has worked in your heart to bring you to the point where you choose to believe in Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit of God at work in your life to convince you that you need a Savior. And many of you who've made that decision to give your life to Jesus, you remember that moment where it's time and time again, there's something at work in you. You're like, I got to believe in this guy. I got to give my life to Jesus. I need him in my life. Some of you today, you're watching and you're experiencing that right now. Your, your heart is racing a little faster. You're sensing something that you've never experienced before. That's the Spirit of God bringing you into a place of understanding that you need a Savior. And it is the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into Christ so that we can have eternal life. It's our belief in Jesus that baptizes us into the body of Christ. We are baptized in Christ to form the body of Christ, and it's because of what we believe. So the first baptism the Bible talks about, we just saw three scriptures that talk about it. It's the believer's baptism. The second baptism that the Bible talks about is this one that you are probably most familiar with, and it is water Baptism. Somebody say, splish, splash, let's take the plunge. Go ahead, tell them, tell them, I'm going to get a drink of water. Taking the plunge, water baptism. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 28, starting in verse 19. Jesus said this. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Somebody say, baptizing them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus tells us, and he gives us a command. We don't get the option to not follow this command. 
Jesus looks at us and he says, if you believe in me and consider yourself a disciple, then be baptized. And go and be a witness to me beyond that. There's this process that I think that Jesus is possibly giving us a sequence that's pretty important for us to notice today. Number one, he says you've got to believe as a disciple first. If you are making disciples, there starts as a place as a believer. But once you're a believer, then you get baptized in water. Why? Because you are publicly acknowledging that your sins are forgiven, that you are new. You are a new person in Jesus. So, so baptism is the public acknowledgement of that. But then he says, look at this, and then he says, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Isn't it interesting that you don't have to have your behavior perfect before you get baptized? Talk to so many people who are like, Pastor, I can't get water baptized. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Listen, you get baptized because you're a hypocrite. We get baptized because we're not perfect. We get baptized because we can't do it on our own. We get baptized because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. Listen, look at the sequence. You believe as a disciple. Then you're baptized, and then the teaching and learning continues afterwards. That's why you can put your faith in Jesus and the process after baptism is saying that you're going to grow in your relationship with God. There is a growth that happens. And, and, and for those of you that are already keeping score ahead and you've been walking with the Lord for a little bit, you already know that it is the Holy Spirit who Jesus said is the one that teaches us all things. He's the one that reveals truth to us and teaches us. Why? Because you put your faith in Jesus first. You get water baptized second. And then it's partnering with the Holy Spirit in your life to grow. But it's water baptism. Look at Acts chapter 2. Peter says it like this in verse 38 of Acts 2. He says, repent and be baptized. Who? Every one of y'all. All y'all need to repent and be baptized. I, I think sometimes I, I feel that way. I want to look at people and I'm like, man, all y'all, all y'all need Jesus right now. Like I've been in Walmart lately. All us need Jesus just to get to Walmart. It's just a part of the reality of our lives. We need Jesus in our lives. And he says, you need to be baptized in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Why? Because water baptism it's an important thing, and we acknowledge something. Listen, I want you to understand this. It is a disciple that baptizes us in water so that we can be identified as a fellow disciple. It's a disciple that baptizes. In the first baptism, it's the Holy Spirit that baptizes. It's a work the Holy Spirit does, baptizing us in, into the body of believers. In the second baptism, it's a follower of Jesus, a disciple. Doesn't have to be a clergyman, doesn't have to be a pastor. It could be a parent, it could be a friend, it could be anybody who themselves is already a follower of Jesus. They baptize us. And that when we come up out of the water, that very act of water baptism identifies us as a disciple. It's an identifier, it's a symbol. Think of it like this. Um, Many of you are married, or maybe you've probably at least attended a wedding. In fact, last night, I had the joy of uh, performing a wedding ceremony. It's one of the fun things that I get to do as a pastor. And within the ceremony, the couple decided to do one, there was one symbol, one sacred symbol, if you will, that they chose to have as a part of their wedding. It's not a requirement by law, but it's a decision that they wanted to do. And that symbol was their wedding rings. 
you, whether you realize it or not, it's not a law that you have to have a wedding ring in order to be married, right? Like you don't have to, have, but it is an important thing. Why? Because this wedding ring, it automatically identifies me as off the market, right? Like it automatically identifies me as somebody that has given my life and my love to someone else. I belong to Amber. I am wholly hers, right? Like this wedding ring, it doesn't make me married, but it does identify me as a married man. Water baptism doesn't make you a believer. Your belief in Jesus makes you a believer in Jesus. But water baptism does identify you as a disciple. It does identify you as somebody who has chosen to believe that Jesus alone has forgiven your sins. That's the power of water baptism. But again, I told you at the beginning that there were three baptisms that the Bible actually talks about. The first we looked at was the believer's baptism. The second is water baptism. And the third experience that the Bible talks about as it relates to baptism is this, Holy Spirit baptism. Holy Spirit baptism. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 8. It says, uh, John the Baptist is talking, and he says, I baptize you with water, but the one who is coming, talking about Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth and Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, notice this, he was coming up out of the water. He wasn't sprinkled. He wasn't sprayed. He wasn't hosed down. He was coming up out of the water. When Jesus came up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn apart, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. He's actually a person, right? The Bible says that he came down like a dove. They kind of saw something, and it looked a little bit like a dove. And they're like, oh, okay, something's happening here. And Jesus was baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a double baptism. Let me just real briefly say this. Uh, water baptism, I said a minute ago, just like a wedding ring doesn't make you married, it just identifies you as being married. The same is true with water baptism, and Jesus tells us right here, Jesus was baptized in water. Why? Because he wasn't saved? No, he was already saved and perfect. Jesus didn't need to be saved to go to heaven. He was the Son of God already perfect. He was simply patterning something for us as a way to say, when you get water baptized, then there's another opportunity for you, and that's to be filled with the Spirit. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 4, you see the same account where Jesus himself gets water baptized. He comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit fills him. And in the very beginning of, of chapter 4, it says, and then Jesus was led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and after he got through the wilderness, he was then empowered by the Spirit. Jesus lived his life as a perfect human empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think about the Holy Spirit filling you rather than being on you because the Holy Spirit is already in you. Now, next week, 
I'm going to talk to you about the person of the Holy Spirit, this third person in the Trinity that we see all through the Nicene Creed and all through Scripture. I'm going to explain to you more about who the Holy Spirit is, how he wants to be in you, how he wants to be with you, and he wants to come upon you. And we're going to talk more about Holy Spirit baptism next week. I just need you to see that it's biblical, and it's the third baptism that the Bible talks about. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus himself is talking to his disciples and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes up on you, comes up on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's what I want you to understand about Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit so that we have the strength to live out the Christian life. If you didn't need strength to live out the Christian life, if you didn't need the power of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life as strong as you possibly could, then you could do it on your own. But you're not. But I can't. And you can't. If, if we didn't need to live out the Christian life, if the whole goal was just to go to heaven then when you were being water baptized and publicly declaring that you belong to Jesus, we just keep you under the water till the bubble stopped. And then you could go to heaven, mission accomplished. But your goal in life isn't to go to heaven. Your goal and your mission in life is to bring heaven to earth. And in order to do that, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, strengthening us to live it out every day, every day. All three of these baptisms are important. All three of these experiences that the Bible calls a baptism are important. Look at 1 John 5, 7 through 8. I'm, I'm going to show you some scriptures where all three of these baptisms are represented in the same scripture. Are you ready? I'm going to show it to you. 1 John 5, 7 through 8 says this. For there are three, somebody say three, three that testify the Spirit, that's Holy Spirit baptism, the water, that's water baptism, and the blood, that's salvation. That's the believer's baptism. And all three are in agreement. In other words, all three are part of the unity. Look at Luke chapter 24. These are the words of Jesus. These aren't my words. These are Jesus' words. It says this, He told them, being Jesus, that it is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. What's he talking about? That's what you believe in order to be a, experience the believer's baptism. That's salvation. Believing that Jesus would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of the sins that will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. What's he talking about? Water baptism, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there's water baptism Jesus talks about. And in the very same breath, in the very same sentence, he says, and you are witnesses of these things. We just read it in Acts 1. Don't go anywhere until you receive the Holy Spirit. You are witnesses of these things. He goes on to say, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. What's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. What's he talking about? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptism. All three in one scripture out of Jesus' mouth. Believer's baptism, water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus told us about it. 
You're like, yeah, but what about the Old Testament? I, I got you. Let me give you a third example of all three being represented, and it's in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 25 through chapter 38, you can read about how God instructed Moses to construct what's called the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, there was these outer courts, and then there was this inner place called uh, the holy place, and then right next to it was the most holy place. And there were certain things that God instructed Moses to put in sequence in order to go from one, to go from the outer courts into the holiest place. And the very first thing that you come to was called the altar. And at the altar, they were instructed to take the lamb, kill it, sacrifice it, and take its blood and put it on the post of the altar. Why? Because that's what salvation looks like. Salvation is believing in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You know what the very next station that they had to go to? They did the altar. They did the sacrifice. It was a bloody mess. You want to know what they did very, very next? There was something called the basin, the bronze basin. It was this tank filled with water that they had to go and dip and cleanse their hands and their feet and wash themselves in and get cleaned up. And you know what they did next? You had the altar, then the basin that you washed in, and you want to know what was the next thing that you picked up before you went into the holy place? Oil. All through Scripture, oil is representative of the presence and the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And they needed the oil to go into the, the holy place. And, and you know what would happen if they skipped any one of those things? and tried to go into the holy place, they died like dead, dead, died. Like, stopped breathing. In fact, they had to tie a bell around their ankle that if they ever walked into the holy place uh, without the proper process and the bell stopped ringing, they knew, time to pull on the string and pull them out because they dead, dead. I, I wonder... If some of us, we've, we've come to the altar and we recognize that we need our sins forgiven and so we believe in the sacrifice that Jesus made. And then we're like, yeah, water baptism, I can do that. That's, that's not a big deal. I mean, it might be a little embarrassing, but I can go get wet and I can bring change of clothes and it's fine. I can do that baptism thing. I can wash up the oil, the Holy Spirit baptisms. I heard that was a little bit weird and crazy and kooky and languages and all sorts of stuff. And I've heard weird things about that. I, no thanks, I'll pass. And we go around it to try and get into the holy place but yet in our lives there are still dead places. Our faith isn't as alive as it needs to be. And we are still stuck in some of the same old patterns because we've skipped some of the experiences that God wants us to have in the process of following him. Friends, it's not about just one thing. It's not about just being a believer and experiencing the believer's baptism. You need to do that. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can be saved today. It's not about just being a believer. You need to be water baptized. If you've never been water baptized, I want to challenge you to sign up today on our central hub. Go to faithchurchks.org and sign up for water baptism. We're going to do a baptism celebration at the end of June. I want you to sign up. Sign up right now. Don't wait. Don't delay. Make the decision to be water baptized. Go public with your faith. We acknowledge one of these baptisms is the baptism of the forgiveness of your sins, acknowledging that you have been forgiven. Decide to be water baptized. But friends, 
let's not miss the third one either. And I know for most people, when it comes to Holy Spirit baptism, either we are uninformed and we have no idea what it means, or we've been misinformed for much of our life, being confused or not being uh, understanding fully what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Next week, I'm going to talk more details about this third baptism. But can I just say, as your pastor, as your friend, as somebody that wants you to have the strongest faith possible, all three are a gift from God, all three are important, and all three help you live a strong Christian faith every day, no matter what. No matter what. There are three, and of these three, they testify. Isn't it interesting, this number three? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that two are better than one because they can be, one could be overpowered on its own, but a three-braided cord is not quickly broken. Three is not quickly broken. We believe in a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three. Somebody put the number three in the chat box right now. Three, three, three. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. You as a human being made in the image of God are a triune being. You are spirit. You have a soul that's your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a physical body. You're a triune being because you were created in the image of a triune God, and three are stronger than one. And when you're body one day is healed, when your, whole, when your soul is made right, and when your spirit is saved, you are strong and healthy. Three is not quickly broken, and that's why there are three baptisms that the Bible talks about. Believer's baptism, water baptism, and spirit baptism, because when you experience all three, there is something in you that is solidified, that is strong, that is tied together, and your faith is less easily broken. You need all three. All three are scriptural. All three are biblical. I showed you all three baptisms in the Old Testament, in Jesus' word, and following Jesus' word in the New Testament. Three. Three. You need all three. I want to challenge you to begin leaning in. If you've never given your life to Jesus, today's your day. If you've never been water baptized, you can sign up today. If you've never experienced and you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit, you can go on the Central Hub today. Go to the media section and look for a series that I did entitled Holy Spirit. It was a three-week session. And it will help you understand and begin to learn more about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk more next Sunday as we conclude this collection of faith. Here's the deal. I want you to understand this. Here's the final thought. One baptism starts you in the faith of God. The second baptism publicly states your faith in God. And the third baptism, it strengthens your faith in God. Our goal in this series is to help your roots grow strong. The first baptism starts your faith. The second one States your faith. And the third one is really what you need to strengthen your faith. I don't want your life to be unraveled when pandemics hit. I don't want you to be stressed so much. I want you to be strong. 
I don't want you to fall to temptation. I want you to be strong. I don't want you to be un, uh, in a place where you're confused all the time because of the complexities. I want you to have the teacher and the helper that helps you understand Scripture. And it's the Holy Spirit. And we need all three. Would you bow your head in prayer with me in this moment? Right here, all over the area and the region. If you're listening in the sound of my voice and you've never submitted your life to the rule of Jesus, if you've never put your faith in Jesus as the Son of God, today is your day. I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud. If you've never committed your life to Jesus and you want to put your faith today in him, you want to experience the believer's baptism, experience a fresh wind of the Spirit, a move of God, and being reborn and remade right here, right now. Let's all pray this prayer Aloud, you whisper it right where you're at. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus for me to die on a cross for my sins. I confess that I am a sinner. I can't do anything about my sin, but you can. I believe in Jesus. Forgive me, God. I want you to make me new. Let me be in your family today. I choose to follow Jesus today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer right here, right now, uh, Church Online, you can click the button that says, I'm, I'm raising my hand to follow Jesus. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, would you just go ahead right now in the chat, book, chat box say, I choose to follow Jesus. Say those words. I choose to follow Jesus. Go ahead and type them in. Type them in. Type them in. We want to follow up with you. Send you some information on your next step. And newsflash, your next step is water baptism. And if you've never been water baptized, whether you just prayed that prayer or you've been following Jesus for a long time, I want you to sign up today to, to get water baptized later this June. Friends, we love you. We'll see you next Sunday as we talk and we close out this Roots Collection. I love you. You're awesome. Hey, friends and family. I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.